0: Good night. Hello,
1: cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martini's Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch spirits news from France and beyond. And I have a special treat for you today. If you listened to last month's show, which you should have, you will know I've got my friend David Leibovitz in the studio, and he's going to help me co-host. Hi, David.
0: Hey, there! You can't keep me away from you.
1: I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so flattered my and dream excited. dream come true. Yay. Okay. Don't say that. I'll get you in on more shows. You will right. obligate yourself to more than you the, than you expect to.
0: Oh, you guys heard it first. <laughs> okay. All right. got to hold her right. to it
1: now. i got to hold him <laughs> to it. Okay. But, and also, I'm very excited. And I know I say this every show because I get really excited about my guests, but I'm really super excited because I've got somebody who I just – Met recently and I think is doing an amazing job with some stuff here in Paris, which is Ruba Cori, and she is the chef and owner of Dirty Lemon. She has worked in some big name Michelin starred spots in the past: Frenchie, Septime, Yamcha, um, Spring, I think as well. Yeah. Um, and but she currently has branched out on her own as she has this great new restaurant and bar um, with a Mediterranean menu, and it's called Dirty Lemon. And I'm going to not say any more about it. And let her explain it a little bit more. So, Ruba, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here. Yay! Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about a little bit about Dirty Lemon?
2: Yeah. So, um, Dirty Lemon basically, at its core, was really to create a um, a bar, a cocktail bar, in a very um, male centric industry, which turns out to be super pretentious at times. Um, And uh, not very inclusive, very, like, dude-bro feel. This was my experience. And um, I just wanted to create something that was from another person's point of view, someone like me, which is a young woman, gay, you know. And I wanted to turn it on its head and create something really beautiful, very inclusive, and create cocktails that are super accessible and not pretentious. Mm -hmm.
0: I just want to slide something in here. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to say Ruba's a really good cook. Um, Mm -hmm. I met her when she was, um, or I should say, I met you. (laughs) Should I talk to Forrest or should I talk Ruba? I met you when you were cooking at a cafe in Paris and a Middle Eastern menu. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't expecting much. And all of a sudden, this beautiful food came out. And I was like, oh my God, this food is amazing. Um, And then I was thrilled when I went to Dirty Lemon. And uh, um, you know, it's you look and it's a bar, but there's a menu of all this food, and you don't really th- know what to expect. And then this food comes out, and it's incredible. Yeah. And Usually, bar food is okay. Um, in Paris, it usually is non-existent. Um, places yep. like Mary Celeste do it. Um, but I love your take, um, on Middle Eastern food. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, you've added a twist to certain things while keeping it, you know, authentic and. Um, you acknowledge what it is, but you've added French touches to things, French ingredient or French ingredients. It's a really great place to eat as well as drink.
2: Thank yeah. you so much.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's true. I think there's <clears throat> so much to unpack here. I have not had. I have had her cooking at Yamcha. Um, I have not had it there, but I did have the nuts, the bowl of nuts, yes. and I had um, <laughs> and I had cocktails. But I just think there's a lot that you are bringing um, to the. To the plate with this, and uh, I'm going to dive right into it and talk about the fact that. Um, so, I don't want to define it as a lesbian bar, but how how do you approach that?
2: Yeah, uh, very good question. I mean, it, it isn't a lesbian bar. It's more of a bar that is it's owned by a lesbian, but it's really to create a space that is inclusive of everyone you know I'm not going to refuse heterosexuals at the door obviously it's just it's a place where anyone can come in and have a good time and it's 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 about creating a holistic experience like once you step into Dirty Lemon's doors it's like you're in another space you're in another bar there's nothing like it in Paris you've kind of like forget all your worries and just like be in the space and have a good time drink some good cocktails have some good food and listen to some good music and just really like be out and have just a great time
0: well it's interesting talking about gay bars in 2020 because you know in the old days you know, when i was young you know you, you went to a gay bar to either meet someone or feel comfortable because um, you couldn't go to a straight bar or you might feel weird especially if you went with your partner yeah. but now like you know you're married here to a woman yeah. in paris and you, you're taxed and yeah. i'm whatever (laughs) with my partner and we're pretty we're all pretty I think you know we feel pretty comfortable going to places anywhere we want in Paris but you're right that there is sort of a um, judgmental attitude sometimes in places Um, and not because of your sexual orientation perhaps but maybe you know you know, for better or worse France is sort of a judgy place in general you know you're often judged on how mm-hmm. you dress you know what you you know how you present yourself um, and that can determine a lot of things so it's very interesting that you're choosing to do this with your bar to make it sort of a judgment-free place a place that's comfortable for everybody and what steps do you take do you think that um, that encourage that
2: Well, uh, very good question, because I first started with um, the menu development. I wanted to create something that was very accessible. You know, I've worked in Michelin restaurants where we've done complicated things and foams and things like that and different condiments and like very complicated techniques and all that. But so it started off with menu development. I decided to create something very accessible and easy. Anyone can look at the menu and be like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. I want to try it. Um, And when they eat it, they're not confused as to what's going on in the plate. They taste it and it just tastes good and it feels good. Um, So it started off with the food and then went into the cocktails. And when I worked with my barwoman, I was like, it needs to be accessible. I don't want this to be a place where you come in once and just like a fancy night out, like try a special cocktail. It, it has to be a place where you want to come all the time. And it's something that you can drink or have one or two of in the night. Like our, our cocktails are all based on fresh pressed fruit or juice, fruit or vegetable juices of the season. Um, and then with little twists in here and there, but at the same time, it being simple and accessible, there needs to be a refined aspect to it. Um, so start off with the food and drink and then with the design aspect, I worked with um, an interior designer, Vivian Chilhagopian, Gopian. And um, I told her, you know, I want this to be a very sophisticated and chic place, but down to earth at the same time. And that's where it gets tricky because I know sophistication and chic can go a bit overboard and be pretentious. And I'm not that way at all. Like I want anyone to come in and feel like themselves and just be relaxed and have a great time. So there were a lot of aspects. It's all in the details. There's that fine line of being accessible, but not too simple, um, but yet refined and making it of good quality. Yeah.
0: So I was talking to a woman bartender who's a bar owner, actually, in Paris, and she had a very difficult time getting a bank loan. And she said, well, because I was a woman, and I wrote about her in my book, and my editor said, well... Are you sure you want to say that? Is that really why? And I wrote to her and I said, do you mind if I say that? She goes, absolutely. I want people to know that. It was very difficult because I was a woman. Do you feel, um, you know, you don't have to go too into depth about this, but do you feel like you were at times discriminated or treated differently, um, either working in restaurants or opening your bar? Um, you were at a disadvantage.
2: Yes, of course. I mean, I won't go too much into it because it was definitely anxiety ridden times <laughs> yeah. when I was trying to get a bank loan. It was really stressful. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely encountered a lot of difficulty. I, I approached about 10 banks and I got rejected mm-hmm. of nine, nine out of 10. Um, some of them wouldn't even look at my business plan. Um, and I don't know if they were discriminating based on my my gender, my age, my my background, my cultural background, or sexuality,, uh, but it was definitely difficult. I know yeah. that I went through many loopholes to try and get this bank loan, whereas if I was another person, maybe it wouldn't have happened that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, working in restaurants, like I, my experience has always been working in a like a restaurant or probably at cocktail bars like this. Mm-hmm. You know after the first week, it doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, whatever. It's if you can do the job because you want to work with the most right. competent person. But have you also seen that in the restaurant? Because you worked for at Yamcha, which yeah. is owned by a woman, mm-hmm. run by a woman, and she's very well-known. She's not, you know,
2: yeah.
0: It's is not a small place. It's quite yeah. well-known.
2: Yeah. No, at Yamcha, it was <laughs> a great experience. I, I, I didn't encounter any difficulties in terms of being a woman in the kitchen. <laughs> However, in other places, you know, once you pass that mark where you get to know your coworkers and everyone's in it together and mm-hmm. you have this team vibe... Um, there is still, you know, inappropriate joking and inappropriate uh, touching and just like stuff like that. And and you kind of, you get put in the situation where you want to be part of this boys club or mm-hmm. else you'll, I don't know, you won't be cool or they won't want to yeah. have a drink with you after shift or whatever. So you kind of, you kind of... Um, Uh, debase your own standards just to fit in because it is such a boys club and ride or die vibe in the kitchen which I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily like of the restaurant world Mm -hmm. it's very like you're a hardcore chef or nothing at all you know it's like I have different sides to me I'm not just a chef (laughs) I think
1: that's evolving too I mean I haven't worked in kitchens but you know I've been sort of adjacent to the industry and I think you see some evolution uh, with things like Dirty Lemon do you feel like The way you run your business and the way you approach your employee, employee, your staff, um, how do you deal with that to avoid kind of this kind of promoting this kind of culture
2: in your, in your establishment? Um, Well, I I definitely, I debrief my, my employees before every shift or before every start of the week, you know, um, by saying like, you know, we all have our problems. We all kind of don't want to be at work sometimes, but If you really believe in this product, if you really believe in Dirty Lemon, you need to show that to the customer so they feel good about being there. It's all about creating an experience. And I think it starts from the top. So for me, so I have to come in and show everyone, you know, I'm in a good mood. Let's have a great shift. Let's have a great night. Let's show people what we're made of and what we're capable of and just have a good time. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like very strict on my employees because I am just a very chill person and I think that I, I believe in that side of things. I know other bar owners or chefs or restaurant owners go the other route where they're super strict and I've experienced that before. You do get results, but they're not in the most healthy ways, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Actually, I had a job interview once. I asked the chef owner. I said, I'll only work here if you don't scream. <laughs> and what was his repli- reply? Her reply. Her reply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Whoops, the trap door opened. Yep. There, um, right. She said, she goes, I only yell if something very precious and expensive is getting is going to waste or not being used and going rotten. I said, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I would get mad, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you're allowed to get mad. Um, but one thing about this interesting about restaurants um, and probably bars as well, um, i I think Pete Wells described it in the New York Times food critic. He said restaurants are like pirate ships, you know, <laughs> sort of independent. Um, and I often say, you know, totally. you walk through a restaurant kitchen door and you become a twelve-year-old, and the humor becomes very juvenile. Um, and you know, part of it's very funny. There's a lot of sexual jokes. Um, that can go either way.
1: Yeah. And right.
0: you're walking a tight line, mm-hmm. you know, like we're friend, we're both friends, you know, but I could say something that probably both of you, I won't because I like you. <laughs> but, you know, you <laughs> might take it badly or you might, you know, you might use the wrong word. So it's a very, it's very fraught right
1: now. Yeah. Well, it's also, as we were just talking about before we started <clears throat> recording, there's generational things, there's yeah. cultural things, there's social, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just personality things. It's, it's like it's tough like i said it Mm could be a minefield i don't ever want to say the wrong thing and i don't even go in there i think with intention to ever say the wrong thing but
0: but we all come together over cocktails and good food yes i think we all have that in common um and going into dirty lemon it was very you know it's very i've been in a few times and i always am like it's just nice Uh, it's nice to have a drink at the bar it's very convivial um the food is good so you tell us about your background your um actually your nationality, Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, you do Middle Eastern food, Mm -hmm. but it's special.
2: Thank (laughs) you. No, that's very kind of you. I'm so touched when, when you speak about my food like that. It means a lot because... Um, I'm originally Palestinian. I wasn't uh, born or raised there, unfortunately, due to, the, due to the circumstances. It was my grandparents who fled Palestine in 1948. Uh, but they, my family did a really good job of containing that culture um, and bringing us up in the Palestinian way um and just naturally our culture is very open and hospitable we love having people over we love hosting parties we love eating um and it just came natural to me you know always helping my mom in the kitchen and hosting and I love meeting people I love working with my hands and especially starting off with something as as brute as like an ingredient and turning it into something beautiful and then seeing it in front of a, a customer and them eating it and the joy on their face so it's it's like the whole process um that i love but um i definitely take what i know most which is the palestinian food and mm-hmm. turn it into something um more elevated so that a person who doesn't know anything about the culture can still taste it and kind of get notes of of what we're made
0: of. Well, one thing, often people have images of the Middle East they see on the news, and there's usually something bad going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone's yelling. But um, <laughs> if you've been, you know, the people are actually very hospitable and friendly. Like, I've always wanted to go to Iran. Mm-hmm. And people have said, you know, the people are really nice. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, as, you know, a lot of us know, we're not our government. Um, yeah. we're, we're people. Um, so if you go to Israel, for example, yeah. you go to Jerusalem, and you see all these people, you know, that somehow managed to live together I don't know how uh, they do yeah. it.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah, we, we definitely don't have a good reputation, um, but there are uh, many sides to our culture. And you have food.
0: reputations for being very good cooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, no, I have several Palestinian friends oh, who are great cooks. Oh, um, awesome. They've written cookbooks, um, and they're getting noticed because in spite of the political problems and the unrest, um it rises above that and people are able to see like this cuisine really needs more to be more um better known mm-hmm. i
2: guess yeah well
1: i mean no matter what side of a any mm-hmm. issue you come down on everybody appreciates good food right you yeah. know i mean it's it's kind of a not an equalizer but you know we all kind of
0: yeah i do wish we could all decide on what to call little grains of pasta that are round uh, that are larger, like thin couscous. It's <laughs> <They get> called
2: <laughs> Palestinian couscous, actually. Okay. <laughs> but there's
0: also a Palestinian name for it. Maftoul. Maftoul. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should all just say Maftoul and not use yeah. the English words. I think that... I always say I'm it would okay be with a that. Easier. Yeah. It's I'm a nicer okay with word with than Palestine. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue better, Maftoul. True, true. And it's pretty. Um,
1: I want to talk just for a quick second about the cocktails. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated the cocktails when I was there. Um, one of the best martinis I've had in a long time from your bartender that was there. Really enjoyed that. Um, and did you work with Brittany who was previously at Canelaria to develop the menu? Yeah,
2: I started with Brittany, um, and we created the menu together. Um, since then she has left. Um, now I have a new bartender. She's starting this week. Actually, her name is Hortense. She has a great background. She worked at Moonshiner. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and we're going to be changing our menu in March. So for spring, you got to, you guys got to come back and we're going to do a new menu sure. and it's going to be great. Yeah. It's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. We've got so many yeah. things I've, in our calendar now. Yay. So one
0: of the <laughs> drinks actually, when I was out with Forrest, I once, we were at bar Jeffries and yes. we had Zatar martinis yep. and I recreated them for my book um and it's a specific flavor it's too much is too much but just a, so do you incorporate middle eastern flavors and ingredients into your cocktails or just the food
2: That's actually what we Hortense Mm. and I were dabbling with for this new menu. We're thinking of doing some kind of old fashioned with zaatar, actually, and Mm. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, there's definitely a fine line with (laughs) Eastern spices and flavors. Harissa You you can go overboard.
0: Oh, Uh, harissa, which is North African, but that would be interesting to put a little bit of that in. That could be very interesting. I love harissa,
1: and I think too. I think Mm. this. I'll be interested to see what you do with it because I think it could be like you don't want to. You want things to work in this overall context of the bar and I think what you've done a great job of is bringing in the influences of your background and bringing in you know everything and putting it into space it's like a lot of different things but it's there's still this nice coherency to it but I mean
0: what's what's also interesting is the street you're on yeah Um, I know I was gonna talk about that too I live near that street and it's sort of funky yeah and -hmm. it's improving you know Guy had opened Café Mericourt yeah and then a few other places have opened you're sort of part of this renaissance and you sort of just got in. I don't know what's next for that street.
1: But I think it's nice because I think it when you were talking about walking this fine line, it, you know, if your spot was on the Champs Elysées, it would have a different feel to it. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think being placed there, I for. I mean, you can tell me what you think. I've only been in once, but um, I think the location um, adds to really the the um, overall feel of the bar, and it makes it feel even more accessible. I don't feel like I don't know should I go in there or not. You know, it kind of makes it feel easier to go into somehow.
2: Yeah, when, I, you know, I I started looking for a place um, in November of 2018 and just wow. a month in, I found it. And when I stepped inside, you know, it was an old sushi restaurant and so it was black <laughs> and o- red. Old and sushi are not <laughs> uh, words you uh, yeah, would use Yeah, yeah true, good point. And that place was, it had, oh, it, yeah, yeah, and it, it had been there for four years <clears> and um, it didn't look like much was going on, but when I stepped inside, I just had this, this, Gut feeling inside me. I was like, this is it. This is the place. So, um, you know, it's perfect in size. It's not too big, but it's not too small at the same time. I can still have, you know, a good crowd of people. You can have your own night out, but you can still be involved in the crowd and the vibe if you want to. So, I don't know. There was just something inside me and the street is amazing. It's not too far from Oberkampf. um, And in the 11th district, I mean, it's the hub of restaurants and cafes and bars now.
0: I would like you to tell, if we have time, just to explain to people what goes into your dirty fries with lamb confit.
2: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: that's quite a dish. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Our dirty fries. Yeah. So French fries. um,
0: Good French fries. Yes.
2: I make three different sauces that go on top and uh, one of the, which is a tahini sauce, um, which is tahini is a base of um, sesame paste that I mix with yogurt and lemon juice. Uh, Then I make a harissa sauce, which I, (laughs) I burn, Red peppers, onions, garlic, uh, some toasted walnuts. Mix it up with some, if you can't find harissa peppers, you can use uh, bird's eye chili. Um, and then some seasoning. And then the last sauce, which everybody loves but is not sure they want to eat it, I do make a nice garlic aioli, mm-hmm. but Middle Eastern style aioli. So it's very... Is it Exactly, it's <laughs> tomb. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that door, that I know, I could eat no, that with neither. anything. <laughs> it's just like a, a yoli mounted with egg whites and uh, vegetable oil. And yeah. then some herbs. That sounds really good. Yeah. yeah
0: French people, there's a reputation for liking garlic, but actually they don't. Yeah. They, they like to use it very subtly as yeah, a seasoning, yeah. not as like tomb Yeah.
2: No, no. They, is great. they have trouble eating that sauce, but I don't care because I love it. <laughs> Keep making it. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to introduce people. Are you to open X tonight? Standard. I feel like having it. <laughs> I know. It's Monday. Yeah. Tomorrow. Okay. Tuesdays. Right. Saturdays. Yeah.
1: Very good. Um... I was wondering, you know, I kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording. How challenging was it to go from working in these restaurants that were really well-established, these Michelin places, and now you're on your own? I'm sure it was both challenging and probably freeing. What do you feel?
2: Yes, definitely challenging and freeing. Challenging in the sense that everything was on me. Like, I had to make every decision Um, You know, from design to menu to how to manage staff, um, everything and dealing with all the administration stuff. That part is all challenging Mm -hmm. to do it all, like the workload of doing everything and and people around you just, you know, asking you questions all the time and and wanting things from you. That was challenging, but it also is freeing at the same time that you get to do everything because you can do it your own way however you like, whenever you like, you just have to organize yourself. Um, But no, I love being my own boss. I love having my own place. I'm so happy to be in there every day. And I can't wait till every shift starts. I love meeting people and seeing people in there and just talking to people. It's great.
0: You're also open at five o'clock.
2: Yeah, from 5 p.m. to to 2 a.m., which is non-stop. big, Yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's not very not very common in Paris. No, most places are open at seven. We were yeah. just saying that on the yeah. last show that yeah. it's hard
1: to get in anywhere at happy hour hours. I mean, you know what?
2: Yeah, early yeah, early yeah, hours. yeah,
1: totally. Not that there's a happy hour there, but you know, early <laughs> early drinking. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's the that was the whole idea is was to give something into this Parisian market that's not available. I I want to be open from 5 p.m. so that people can come in. You know, we're hungry at all hours of the day. It doesn't matter. (laughs) We don't, like, set our... Some people don't set their meal time. So... (laughs) <laughs> I I've mean, actually yeah. had that
0: discussion with my partner. I said, you know, where animals actually <laughs> and humans are supposed to graze. Yeah. Like, that's what animals do. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I've been for, there. It's like to no meals. Yeah. <laughs> we <you> have French <laughs> yeah. Pa- yeah. It's like mealtime is very specific. Um, you yeah. know, this is this and once I was actually eating a bowl of fruit and my partner's father came over to me and he, it was ten in the morning. And he was like, oh, you're eating between meals.
2: He's, yeah. he's like, oh, <laughs> c'est formidable. He was so excited.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm eating like an or- cut up yeah. orange, cut-up <laughs> orange. <Yeah>. That's
2: so <laughs> funny. <laughs> ah. So
0: do you think Middle Eastern – there's a lot of Middle Eastern people actually in France, a large population. Um, do you think the food is well represented? And do you – where do you get your ingredients? Because there's a lot of Middle Eastern stores. Um, some of them are okay. Some yeah. of them are good. So what's your – take on all
2: that? Uh, I, I think we do have... Uh, Paris does offer um, mm. a good source of ingredients. Um, I, I usually get my spices from a Middle Eastern supplier or I, I go personally to an epistree that's not so far from me and I pick the olives and I pick the some ingredients that I, that I can't Which find. Which one? Can you tell Saba. Us? Oh, yeah. Saba. Saba. Yeah. 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 And they, they actually have the same brands that my mom used cooking mm. in, the, in the middle east you know yeah. so it's like that's what i know and that's how I, I know how to work with them and their flavor and all that so yeah, yeah they have, we a, have a good offering
0: the store over near place voltaire it's the family um it's called epice and save epice je crois. yeah yeah um, and it's sort of up it's a little more upscale um, and I went in there once and the guys are so nice. So they want to take me to Rungis, the big market. We're now uh-huh. like pals and they have yeah. all sorts of interesting things.
2: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I love all those stores. Mm-hmm. They, they do a good job of, uh, of getting a lot of products in. Yeah.
1: Um, in terms of the neighborhood and the clientele, how, how have you been received? You have mainly like the clientele is French, it's people from all over who's coming in and enjoying the food right now
2: actually it's a nice mix of both i've been having uh, quite a bit of tourists but still a lot of quartier people and parisians i've even had some parisians come all the way from the 5th arrondissement which was very very yeah. nice yeah um no it's great and it's as time goes on it it really it's filtering down to to you know, um, a great span of, of people, queer people. Like, there's always queer people in there. Now it's amazing. Um, there are even kids sometimes. Uh, it's it's really is inclusive, all ages. We have the early birds from like five to seven thirty, and then we get you know the more younger crowd, and it's great. Yeah. One yeah. thing
0: interesting I was talking to someone about, because um, the French language is very masculine, feminine, like you say sacreme avec her cream, mm-hmm. because the word feminine, you know cream is feminine. Um, and now in America or elsewhere as well, um, there's a whole um, there's a movement to use neutral, gender-neutral words, yeah. um, not to say his or her, but them um, And it's a little difficult to do that in French just because the, the way the language is constructed. Um, so do you have trouble with that? Um, do you, I mean, you speak very good French. You went to school here as yeah. well. Um, how do you m- manipulate? Because, you know, you don't want to say the wrong thing. Yes. Um, you, you know, everyone's different. And everyone yeah. also wants to be called something or referred to as something different, I should say.
2: Yeah, I think I think mm. there's, I think it has to do with your intention. And mm. we were also talking about that earlier. How do you... Because you are curious. You are curious or you, you're you not well-informed, and that's okay. And I think it's just the intention of how you present mm-hmm. yourself or how you present your question. And um, this generation is definitely more sensitive than previous generations, for mm-hmm. sure. But I think it's all about how you pose your question and uh, make it more, for lack of a better word, inclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inclusive by asking, by saying we, oui, or how do, you mm-hmm. know, instead of I or you and making it more of a general, um,
0: you know, one, yeah. One thing a lot of people may, maybe not, don't realize is that France is a country where you don't, you're not supposed to identify yourself necessarily by your like ethnicity or religion, but you're French. Mm-hmm. You're not like French American or, you know, French Middle Eastern or French Tunisian. Right, you're yeah. French if mm-hmm. you're in France. Um. And that's something very specific, I think, to France. I don't know. I haven't lived in that many countries. But as an American, I'm used to, you know, the hyphen for everything because we, you know, we want to be – it's a way of being inclusive, but it's also a way of keeping people's identity. But, you know, France has often been, you know, accused rightly or wrongly of trying to assimilate people into something and make them – so how do you feel about that? Or is that – like, mm. you are you know, you're a mixed ethnicity person, yes. I guess. is that.
2: Um yeah I think it's um it's it's difficult to see it here because I do think there it creates a lot of tension between the mixed cultures uh, but I think slowly slowly they're they're coming around and people are celebrating their backgrounds more and mm-hmm. so that's good.
0: Well your bar is your bar and restaurant is the right place to do that cuz it's a great celebration yeah. of um, your culture French culture. Yeah. Thank you. In Paris.
1: Like I said I think that there's so much that you bring to that bar. And um, I feel like I hate to do this because I just feel like we're really like venturing into really interesting territory. But I only have a limited amount of time on the airwaves. So until they make my show a whole hour long, I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> and um, and um, do you want to tell us really quickly? Do you want to give us a suggestion for a cocktail of the month before I close close the shop?
2: Yeah. So I would suggest one of our best sellers, our cocktail. Um, her name is Girl Next Door. And... She's made with a gin and aquavit blend, a homemade fennel liquor, some lemon juice, apple juice, and celery bitters. Very nice, mm. um, listeners. I will put that. I will put that in the show notes
1: so you can get a better look at the recipe, and. Um, Anything else you want to say, David, before we sign off?
0: I have a lot to say, but I'm going to wait until the next time I'm a co-host. Okay, yay. I'm so excited.
1: All right. Well, thank you, David, for co-hosting. Thank you so much, Ruba, for coming down. Thank Thank you for your fabulous bar. You'll be seeing me there again because I really, really enjoyed my visit. So um, great talk today, guys. And um, that's a wrap for this month's episode. If you're looking for more cocktail talk, between shows um, head over to 52martinis.com if you want me in your pocket download the ios app that's the um, guide to paris cocktail bars thank you to the guests Um, everything will be in the show notes thank you to world radio paris for editing and production thank you to sun little for the music we use and a big thanks to my co-host and ruba Um, don't forget also to check out david's new book that's come out drinking french i will put a link into that as well And uh, I remind you to drink responsibly. And if you like what I'm doing, pop over and leave a review so I know that people are actually listening. And until next month, cheers.